Uh, yes, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's about a year now since I was uh, with you on a Sunday, and it's been really good to hear about the good things that have been happening uh, here in Park End. Now, on the last Sunday I was with you, you very kindly gave me a book token. And I thought, well, what can I use that book token for? Another book to put on my shelves or something that perhaps will be more significant. So I decided to buy a, a really nice Bible and I'm using it this morning. In fact, I was due to be with you earlier in the year. So I thought I'll wait till I have my first Sunday at Park End and then I'll use it. Um, well, it is the first Sunday now, but I waited rather longer than I expected. Uh, last uh, Friday, uh, I, I took the Thanksgiving service for Mrs. Audrey Lloyd in Thornhill. And many would have liked to have gone to that service, but were not able to, just a small number, about 15, mainly family members gathered in the Brunant Chapel. And uh, as, we were soon, as we were listening to the songs this morning, I was thinking about the service because there was somebody who was humming. And uh, in the small chapel, you could hear the, the humming. And perhaps that's something that you do uh, quietly as well, as we try not to sing lovely hymns of hope. And one of the really lovely things about taking the service for Mrs. Lloyd was to see her son, Martin, again. Uh, he was one of our young people when uh, we were here in Park End, and it was lovely to see him again. But you might remember Martin and his wife, uh, because their situation is very difficult. I, I guess Martin must be in his mid-60s, and uh, he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And uh, his wife, uh, Frida, has uh, dementia, and she's already in a home with 24-7 care in Tarpoli. He lives in Tarvin, uh, near Chester. So you might remember Martin and Frida, but it was, it was good to see them again, and uh, even though it was a sad situation. And to remember God's goodness to Mrs. Lloyd through many years uh, of her life. She was 95. And I thought about that situation and also other situations uh, that you've experienced as a congregation recently in, in the number of members of the church uh, who have died. There have been quite a number of funeral services recently, and another one to come for, for Mavis Davis. And uh, so it's been a time of, of sadness, and Dave reminded us earlier of, of hope. Where is that hope found? And so that's why I thought about this passage in John chapter 11. It's also relevant, obviously, in a day when every newscast tells us about people who've died. Um, I can only remember a time similar to that when the Falklands War was on and we were told about casualties. Uh, and so that whole theme of, of suffering and death has been very prominent in our minds because of the general situation in our country and the world and also more particularly uh, here in the church at Park End. And when Jesus came uh, to Bethany and was greeted by Martha, uh, Martha said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And then Jesus said these wonderful words to her. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me 
will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus comes into a situation where death has come to one that he loved and that Martha and Mary loved and their friends loved. A place of sadness, of sorrow. And he makes this great declaration. I am the resurrection and the life. It's the most graphic of the seven I am sayings in John's Gospel because he confirms what he is saying by an action that immediately follows what he says. During his ministry, we know of three people whom Jesus raised from the dead. One was Jairus' daughter. She had just died. Another was the widow of Nain's son. He, his coffin was being taken out to be buried, possibly the same day that he had died. But Lazarus had been dead for four days. But in each case, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ over death is clearly demonstrated. He is the resurrection. He resuscitated those people, but that act of resuscitation, bringing people back to death from death, pointed to resurrection. And he says that resurrection is something that he brings into the world. He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He destroyed death. And uh, he brings hope into this world where death is a reality because all mortal people suffer sickness and die, even those whom Jesus loves. And that's made very clear in this passage that Lazarus was one of those. And despite all the advances in medicine, we are helpless in the face of death. We may delay death, but sooner or later all of us must face what the Bible calls the last enemy. In some ways, it's a good thing to go to a house of mourning. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes says it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. I remember in my early ministry in North Wales, uh, going to visit a family whom I didn't know but who had lost uh, a husband. And uh, I visited them, and they, they didn't have any link with the church. And for the first time, I went to a home where there had been a death, and it was all darkness. There was no hope, unmitigated sadness. And I endeavored to, to tell them of the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. It makes all the difference when we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our living Lord. Christians grieve. There's nothing wrong with grieving. Uh, Jesus here is recorded as having wept. Jesus wept. He expressed sorrow and sadness and he, as he saw one of his friends, his good friends, had died. Even though he knew he was going to raise him from death, he still shared in the sorrow and the sadness of the family. And it means that Christians should never be ashamed of weeping and being sad when somebody they love dies. Um, because it is a sad thing. And even when we have hope, we still are conscious that a life has been taken and that we will miss the person. There will be a gap in the family circle. A gap perhaps felt very often at a time like Christmas. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in his first letter in chapter 4, he said, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. He means who die or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. 
And so Jesus brings hope. There's a living hope through his resurrection from the dead. So I want us just to look at some of the things from this passage that help us to understand it. One is that we're told very clearly that Jesus delayed his coming to Bethany. His behavior perhaps was strange. He received a message from Martha and Mary saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. And in those days when somebody was sick, particularly when it required a message to be sent to Jesus, it meant seriously ill. There weren't the medical facilities that we have available to us, just very simple. Uh, medicine was available to them. So when somebody was sick, there was a good chance that they might die. But we're told that when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And he stayed where he was for two more days. And he had a journey of two days to get to Bethany, and he knew that as well. And so there was this delay. And you know, there are times, aren't there, when we pray to God about things and, and we don't see an immediate answer. But Jesus had heard the message. And he knew what he was going to do. And his coming and the amazing miracle he was going to perform uh, would bring great hope and strength to Mary and Martha and the whole community. And when there are delays in God answering our prayers, we should never doubt the fact that he's heard us and uh, that he knows how he is going to respond to our need and the help that he is going to give. Because he speaks very tenderly about his friend, Lazarus. Uh, he's fallen asleep. The word cemetery is from a word, root meaning of sleeping. It's a place where it, it's a Christian concept. It's a Christian insight because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you've seen somebody who has died, you know, it looks as if they have fallen asleep. But there's a big difference between death and sleep. But Jesus is saying that Lazarus has fallen asleep because he is going to raise him from the dead. And he says that what he's going to do is going to bring glory to God. Because people will see again and more clearly, perhaps than in any of his miracles, uh, the true identity of Jesus, the power that he brings into this world, and the difference that it makes when we know him. Martha and Mary would learn more about Jesus uh, through the fact that he came four days after Lazarus had died and been buried. And yet Jesus was able to raise him from the dead. So often we need, don't we, to, to have bigger views of our Lord Jesus Christ, bigger understanding of who he is. You know, there are problems that come into our life and we think, well, how can the Lord help us in this? And he does in most remarkable ways. And Martha and Mary were thinking, he's come too late. But in fact, he, he performed this glorious miracle of resurrection. And he was sympathetic to them. He was tender to Lazarus, but he was sympathetic to them. He was deeply moved when he was with them in spirit and troubled. And uh, he went to the tomb and stood outside the place where his beloved friend was buried. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are 
yet was without sin. It's a great help to, uh, to families who are grieving to know that others care, that others are touched with the feeling of their infirmity. Um, Martin and his sister Kathy spoke uh, this week about the help that they had received from the many cards and messages that they'd received about their mum. And that's a great thing. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that our Saviour uh, is conscious of our need. He understands what sadness in loss is all about. Where he is different from human sympathy and concern is that he's able to help us. He's able to intervene and uh, to give us the grace and the strength that we need to face those sadnesses. And he does that for Mary and Martha. You see, Mary and Martha believed in Jesus. Luke tells us about a visit that Jesus made to their home. Lazarus was there. And uh, Mary, we're told, sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he had to say. In fact, this chapter in John 11 records the temperaments of the two sisters as very much the same as Luke records them about that earlier visit. They sent a cry for help. What's our first response <clears throat> when we get into a crisis? Well, we may ring 999, we may call the doctor, we may do whatever we can, but it's so important, isn't it, to, to commit the whole situation, perhaps just in a very simple prayer, to the Lord, O oh Lord, help us. And they sent this message, Lord, the one you love is sick. Do what you think is best. Help us, please, in this situation. And when he arrived uh, at Bethany, both of them said the same thing. And it's a very interesting thing they said. Uh, Martha says it first in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then she went on to say, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Nobody died in the presence of Jesus. Whenever he came face to face with someone who had died, he raised them from the dead. Mary says the same thing when she meets Jesus. If only you had been here. It was an understandable hope, wasn't it? That he'd arrive in time. If you've ever had a crisis, somebody's ill, you've called the ambulance, called the doctor, you can't wait for them to come because if they come, there is hope. But it seemed as if Jesus had come too late. But he had heard their cry. He was going to help them in a way which would bring great glory to him and to God. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and their staff, they comfort me. So they did believe in him. They did trust him. And... Uh, Jesus challenges Martha when he makes this great statement about being the resurrection life. Do you believe this? Because Martha had said to him, I know that he will rise at the resurrection at the last day. I know that in the end he will rise. They had that hope. But then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you see that I have come and with me comes that that hope. And you know, we often find ourselves in situations where our, our faith is challenged, our faith is strengthened. Very often when we say we're trusting God, we're actually coping with life in our own strength and, and with the resources that we have, ourselves or around us. But there are times when we come into situations which take us beyond anything that we've ever known before. 
And uh, it's at times like that that our realization of who Jesus is and what he's able to do is, is deepened. Uh, one man says uh, about Martha, she saw indeed, but through a glass darkly. She knew, but only in part. She believed, but her faith was mingled with much unbelief. Yet both Mary and Martha were genuine children of God and true Christians. They, they, they weren't complete in their faith. They weren't complete in their understanding, but they were trusting Jesus. And that man went on to say, many and great are the mistakes into which people fall by forming a false estimate of the Christian's character. Many are the bitter things which people write against themselves by expecting to find in their hearts what cannot be found on this side of heaven. Let us settle in our minds that saints on earth are not perfect angels, but only converted sinners. They are sinners renewed, changed, sanctified, no doubt but they are still sinners and will be till they die. And perhaps we say sometimes with that man in the Gospels, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And, and surely it's, it's in the face of, of death, that, that ultimate reality in this life, that last enemy, that our, our faith is, is challenged most. And that's why it's so encouraging to see Jesus arriving. His arrival signals that something new has happened, something different has happened. You could imagine the message going, he's here, he's arrived, he's come. Suddenly the whole situation is different. They don't know what he's going to do. But it's clear that he's in perfect control of the situation. His very presence transforms it. He brings the powers of the age to come, that future resurrection. It's brought into the present. And he speaks, and even death, yields to his words. His words are life-giving. He speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. He is the one who holds the keys of death and of Hades, and not even death separates us from him. And he calls people to new life. He speaks to Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. The man who's been dead for four days Martha, his sister, says that his body will have already begun to decay. That he hears the voice of Jesus. Earlier in John's Gospel, there are two great statements that Jesus makes uh, about the power of his voice and the effect it has on dead people. The first one is in John 5:25. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And he's talking about the effect of his ministry upon people, bringing spiritual life. People who never thought about God. People perhaps who were opposed to God, like those who criticized his coming. If he could open the eyes of the blind, why couldn't he have kept this man from dying? There are always critics. But there are those who hear his voice. Have you heard his voice? A life-giving voice. And you're alive. I was speaking to a minister yesterday uh, who was talking about someone who uh, attended a service online and it was at Easter this year. And uh, suddenly, the light went on. The truth of the gospel became clear to him. And this minister said, you know, he's been wonderfully alive ever since. It's been lovely to see the change that has come. What happened? Well, the dead heard the voice of the Son of God, and they lived. But then he spoke about that life that comes at the second coming of the Lord Jesus 
And he says, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to life, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Those in the graves will hear his voice, as Lazarus heard his voice. Those who have fallen asleep in the Lord will be raised from the grave. When we die, our body remains in this world, but our soul goes immediately to be in the presence of Jesus. To be absent from the body, for the Christian is to be present with the Lord. But there'll be that time when he comes, and those who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who we've known and loved who have died in the Lord, will, they'll come back to life, and we will be life, and we'll be come back to life. We'll be joined, body and soul, in the presence of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That's our glorious hope, isn't it? Hope in this world, but hope beyond this world. Hope beyond death. Because those who die in Christ will hear his voice. All will hear his voice and be raised, but those who know him will be raised to life. And uh, that was demonstrated in Bethany, as this dear friend of Jesus had been in his tomb for four days. Now, one of the amazing things and sad things about this passage is that there were those who witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus and they still didn't believe. People say seeing is believing. It isn't. There are those who have not seen and yet I believe that's the category that we are in. And uh, there were those who even went out and decided they'd better kill Jesus before he caused more trouble. Such was their spiritual blindness. But it's a wonderful thing, isn't it, to be one whom Jesus loves. That lovely message, Lord, the one you love is sick. And you think, oh Lord, why, why oh Lord, such love to me? What is there in me that is lovable, that is attractive? But he loves us because God is love and he sent his son into this world to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And it's really important that like Mary and Martha, however much we understand or don't understand, that we are trusting in him. All our hope is centered in him. And uh, to, to know new life in him, to know he is a resurrection life, whether we live a long time or a short time, uh, to know that we belong to him and nothing in all creation, not even death itself, can separate us from his love. And isn't it a message for us to proclaim to this world around us? People are afraid, very afraid. They're paralyzed by the fear of a virus, and there are reasons to be afraid. But there is one who, who drives out fear. There is one whose love is stronger than anything, even death itself, and one who brings hope and light into the darkness of this world. He is the resurrection and the life. And you know, it changes the, the whole perspective of, 
uh, of, on death and understanding of death. In 1975, when uh, Jill and my father was very ill in Heath Hospital, uh, I was sitting by his bedside, and he was very ill. It was the last weekend that he would be here. And he was struggling with uh, sepsis. And I was just sitting by his side and quietly reading. I was reading the Bible, and I read a, a passage in, one, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, one I'd not really noticed before. Paul is talking there about how we know that when this earthly tent is taken down, we have a building from God, not made with human hands. And as you follow that passage through in uh, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, verse 5, there's a little phrase, as Paul says, that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And I had not seen that before. I, I could see our dad being swallowed up by death. But Paul said, no, in Christ, though we die, yet shall we live. It wasn't death that would win the victory. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who would win, win the victory. This body is mortal. And when we die, Paul says, it's swallowed up by life. And why is that? Well, it's because of him who came to Bethany that day and said to Martha in her grief and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks this question to Martha and to us too. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this lovely passage telling us of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came uh, to that little village of Bethany in its sadness and grief, and particularly to the home of Mary and Martha as their beloved brother had died. And we thank you for the light and the hope that he brought. We thank you for the amazing miracle that he performed. And uh, we thank you that he is indeed the resurrection and the life. We pray, Father, that we may believe that with all our hearts. When we experience sadness, O oh Lord, that we might know that there is one who has overcome death. And we pray particularly for families in the church here at Park End who are in sadness at this time, who have experienced grief and the loss of a loved one. And we pray your comfort for them and for the hope of the gospel to shine into their hearts and uh, that they might know that those who die in the Lord die safely in him. Be with them, Father, as they adjust to new situations and the loss of their loved one. Comfort them. Encourage them. Help them to know that you will be with them in all the days to come. And help us, O oh Lord, to be able to share this message with those around us and to point them to Jesus Christ, your Son and our Saviour. For we ask these things in his name. Amen.